my name is Pastor Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Oaks. My kid was uh, the one right here that was looking back over there and uh, not singing. So he's going to be... Uh, he's going to be in second service too, so I'm going to work on it, all right? So I'm going to work on it in between services, see if I can get him, get him going, all right? But I'm glad you're here today, excited to unpack the Word of God to you today. Um, it is the last Sunday in July already. Can you believe it? Man, kids are not happy about school starting in just two weeks. Parents are rejoicing. There's confusion in the house, right? Confusion in the house. Teachers are gnashing teeth, all right? You know, you know about that. And so uh, I, I want to let you hear uh, from me that uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in the fall, is going to do in the fall here at Great Oaks. And so I know things are ramping up. I know you go back to school and it's like, man, the summer's over and we don't get to kind of go anywhere we want. It's just, it's not as easy to travel. It's not as easy to get our families together. And I know that's sometimes a bummer. Uh, but for me, I love when fall kicks off. I love when school happens, school starts again, uh, because uh, it means that church life just begins to kind of pick up again. And so uh, I hope that you'll be here every Sunday during the fall. I believe God uh, is going to do uh, some awesome things here at Great Oaks. The best is yet to come for sure. So don't miss any of it. It starts uh, with our back to school series starting August 20th. Um, and we're going to go through a series called Church Is and just talk about for three weeks what is the church. It's not just a hobby. It's not just something you do on Sunday mornings. It's bigger than that, right? Church is family. Church is mission. Church is life. And so we're going to talk through that three Sundays. And that day on August 20th, uh, we're going to have around 15 baptisms uh, that we'll be uh, doing during the services that morning and having a lot of fun with that, rejoicing with those who have given their lives over to Jesus. Uh, and that's 15 so far. If you're interested in getting baptized, we can make that 16 or 17 or 18. And so uh, just stop by at the welcome desk and tell them you're interested, uh, and they will help you uh, figure out how to get baptized on August 20th. And so today, though, um, the fall is going to be great, but today uh, is going to be good, too. We're going to talk through uh, the ninth week in our Small Fry series uh, we've been going through verse by verse through uh, the more overlooked books of the New Testament, the smaller books of the New Testament, the small fries of the New Testament. And so we spent five weeks in the book of Jude, uh, which I know you read every morning when you wake up, like everybody reads Jude every morning, we got that, so maybe not such a small fry, but five weeks in Jude talking about fighting for faith. And then we spent two weeks in the book of Philemon, another favorite, uh, talking about forgiving with love. And then last week we started 2 John. Today we'll be in 2 John. And then the next two weeks we'll be in 3 John. And that will close out our Small Fry series. And we're talking in the second and third books of 2 and 3 John, we're talking about fellowshipping in the truth. About this idea that we fellowship, we get together, we connect, yes, but we do so because there's this foundational truth that keeps us together. And so we're talking through truth um, in, these, in these few weeks in 2nd and 3rd and John. And so last week we just talked about, uh, when we started 2nd John, we talked about how this is a book 
uh, about the importance of truth. We talked about this idea of absolute truth and how our culture hates it. They hate this idea of absolute truth. I mean, they just hate it. And God help us, some of you in here, some of us in here really struggle with this idea. We want truth as long as we like it, but that's not the way it works. Truth has a source. Truth has a sure foundation. Truth is not up for debate, right? Truth is not up for debate. The only question you have to answer is, will you accept it and base your life on the truth, or will you base your life on a lie because that's all there is it's not Jesus plus your thing or it's not Jesus plus or minus some difficult truth or or that difficult truth or this one it's just Jesus but we're confused because there's so many different truths in our culture today we're confused in our culture about what is truth. And, and so were uh, the believers that the Apostle John was writing to when he sat down to write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They were confused because there was this new teaching going around called Gnosticism. And it was different than what the apostles had taught them. And so they're getting this new teaching and these people are saying, no, 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 the apostles were off on some of this. Let me teach you this new teaching. And they, they were getting that and they were wondering, do I have faith? Do I know the truth? Have I founded my life on the truth or has it been a lie? Do I need to change? Is there a new truth? And they were confused. They were they were confused. And so 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were written by the Apostle John to help them be confident in this one truth, this absolute truth. And so last week we talked specifically about truth and love because those two things are not mutually exclusive like some would tell you. In fact, love always includes truth, right? Love always includes truth. And It's impossible to love Jesus and choose not to walk in the truth. The Apostle John is writing this and going, walk in truth and in love, both. Do both. Make sure you get that on our website or iTunes uh, and share it. I think it was an important message for our time and our culture, truth and love. This week, we're talking about truth and lies. Everybody say truth and lies. I think it was Mark Twain who said, A lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still putting on its shoes. A lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still putting on its shoes. We are surrounded by lies every single day. Lies spread quickly. We need to understand that the fact that more people believe in some idea than don't has no bearing on whether that idea is true or not. Right? It has no bearing on whether it's the truth, because that's where we always go, right? Well, opinion has changed on that, Pastor. Well, I don't care about opinion. I don't care. Well, you know, Pastor, more and more Christians are starting to believe that what you're saying is no longer true, that the Bible doesn't really say that, doesn't really mean that. Well, that only makes me want to double down on biblical truth, doesn't it, you? Maybe not. Yeah. I know that's what the Bible says, Pastor, but have you seen the science? Yes, I've seen the science. And while the truth of science seems to change with the wind, the truth of the Bible does not. And so it doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter what the science says. Well, have you seen this big time, this big article by this big time pastor about what you're talking about? Have you seen that yet? Yes, I read the article 
it grieved my soul because such, someone with such influence would buckle under the, the pressure of culture and compromise biblical truth. It grieved me to read that article. But it doesn't change truth because God will not be bullied by popular opinion. Right? Well, pastor, did you see this, this big-time pastor's book, this new book called Maybe the Bible is Wrong? No, I didn't see it. It sounds dumb. I'm not, I didn't see it. I'm not going to buy it. It sounds dumb. Am I coming off as overly, like, black and white today? A little dogmatic this morning already? Good. That's my intent. All right? That's my intent. Welcome to Great Oaks where we preach cozy, comfy, cotton candy sermons to make you feel good about yourself because your feelings are primary, right? That's what we do here. Welcome to Great Oaks. Listen, truth is... That was sarcastic, by the way, in case you... <laughs> let's not throw that out there. All right, sarcastic. Listen, truth is important. You need to know the truth, study the truth, live the truth, love the truth, but it's not so that you can be a good Christian. It's not so that you can know more and more and more until your head kind of swells up and you become kind of a a biblical truth bobblehead doll. Like, that's not what we're doing here. You need to know the truth, love the truth, live the truth because of the lies. Because of the lies. Beloved, there's a real enemy of truth. He's the enemy of your soul, and he's the enemy of God, and he is the best liar on the planet. This is real. You think this is a game? This isn't a game. This isn't a joke. This isn't a hobby, or an all right idea, or a suggestion, or a way to get your kids hanging out with the right crowd. This is serious. Truth is serious. Lies are everywhere, and the stakes are as high as they could possibly get. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. Listen, I like to make jokes. I like to use humor to help you remember truth, and sometimes I like to use humor to put your guard down, help you put your guard down so that some truth can get through the barriers that you've built up. I I like to joke on Sunday mornings. I'm sure I'll make a joke before the end. Pretty sure I'll make a joke before the end of today's sermon. But I want you to hear how serious this is. I don't want to make light of truth. It's a serious deal. I want to draw some lines today. And I want you to make some decisions. And I'm not really drawing any lines. I'm just tracing them. I'm tracing the lines that have already been drawn by the Bible. You track it with me? If I start drawing my own lines, then I'm going to be a part of the problem, right? As a preacher and a pastor and an unpacker of God's word to you, a teacher of God's word, originality is the enemy, right? I want to go back to, I don't want new truth, I want old truth, right? I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to create something new. If anybody ever grabs a mic and comes up here and goes, a new command I give to you. Or, I got a new truth for you today. Run, okay? Just run, because we don't want to be coming up with new truths. We want to go back to the old truth. But listen, the problem, the problem is not the truth. Truth is constant and is, has always been there. The problem is the lies. 
There are so many and they're so inviting because Jesus said that the gate is narrow that leads to life, to salvation, to him. And few will enter it. Few will enter it. And yet many of us say that we've already entered it, right? We are, we're already there. Most of you would say that you're there. Most of your friends and family would say, yes, my truth is the truth. I'm in. I found the narrow gate. There are all these paths that lead away from the truth. All of these lines that have been drawn that are very close to the line of biblical truth on either side, but not the line of biblical truth. All of this has been done, and yet most of us believe it's in the bag. Most of us have this idea in our heads that we'll be okay in the end, right? That it'll all work out, that we'll make it. But you've got Jesus saying in Matthew 7 that there will be a ton of people in the end who say, Lord, Lord, who do things for God and in the church, and he'll say, back away from me, I never knew you. But that's not us, right? Nah, that's not us. We're, we're in the few We're in the small amount of people that have found the narrow gate. That's where we are. And so are they, and so are they, and so are they, and so are they. And all of a sudden, it's not so few anymore, right? All of a sudden, it doesn't look like it's very few. It starts to get to look like it's a lot. The Apostle John, in 2 John, verse 7, says this. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. There are deceivers and deniers of truth everywhere. They're out there. They're in here. Watch yourselves. There are all these lies coming against you. Watch yourselves. Listen, beloved. Truth is not something you hold on to loosely. When you find it, truth is something you cling to and guard with your life, right? Truth is something you guard with your life. You have to know it, sure. You have to love it, sure. But you also have to guard it. You have to watch yourself. If you don't watch yourself, if you don't guard the truth you've been given, then you will lose what you've worked for, what we've worked for, and you will not win a full reward, so says the Apostle John. If you don't guard it, in the end, you'll lose it. Why? Because the lies look so good. The lies look so good. The lies look so true because the best of lies has at least a little bit of truth in it, right? The best of the lies have at least a little bit of truth in it. The, the lines look so similar and you shift a little bit here and you compromise a tiny bit there. And then after a while you look back and you can't really find the first line you were at. You can't really find where the biblical truth is. There are so many different paths that lead different directions but a lot of them look the same and the devil's trick is that he's going to give a thousand paths for you to go down every single day he doesn't have to know you really well he doesn't have to know what will entice you off of the one true path he just takes the shotgun approach right he just throws out so many different whys in the road so many different new paths to go down that it's confusing it's confusing 
as you look at all these options, you forget which path you were on, and they all start to look similar, and you take a wrong turn here, and then a wrong turn there, and again, and again, and it's confusing. I mean, it's not usually a a leap to a totally different path, right? That's not usually what happens. It's usually a tiny turn or a, a little bit of a compromise. I mean, it's, it's not like you're choosing between a yellow bricked road with a rainbow and a sunset behind it, right? Like a path with yellow bricks and rainbow sunset. Wow, that looks really good. And then this path over here that's like a dark, gloomy forest and there's lightning going on in the background, right? You're not choosing between those two things normally, Normally, the paths look so similar, don't they? But that's how we think of it. And so we look at the path we're on, and it it doesn't look gloomy or really that dark, and there's no blood on the trees, and there's no snakes on the ground, and there are no monsters lurking in the darkness. And so we think we're okay. We think we must be on the true path, the, the one path, the narrow path. The Apostle John says, you got to watch yourself. you got to watch yourself. And then in verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. You see, we like to keep moving. We like to keep going. We like to go on ahead. And when a new path opens up that looks kind of good, we look at this new path. And when, when somebody comes and challenges the path that we're on and says, why don't you come over here, we look at this new truth. And we go, is this a good path to go down? Is this a good truth to accept? And we start to kind of wrestle with this new path. We go ahead. We look ahead. We stumble ahead thinking that we'll make it on intuition thinking that we'll kind of make it in the end that we'll kind of figure it out as we go but the key is not studying new paths and new truths it's turning around and going back to the old truth right it's turning around and studying the, the original path, studying the, the original truth. What I mean is that there's no such thing as new truth. There's really no such thing as new revelation when it comes to truth. There's, there's no such thing. What I'm saying is truth is found in the old teaching, not the new. Truth is found in the old teaching, not the new. It's not about going ahead and checking out this new path or that new truth. It's not about considering some change in truth that everybody else is peddling. There is no truth, or there is one truth, I should say, and many, many, many lies. One truth and many, many, many lies. Too many for you and I to combat. Too many for you and I to try to figure out. Too many for you and I to study and to consider. No, what we need to do is abide in the truth. We need to abide in the truth. Stay there. What truth? Well, the Apostle John says that the truth of Christ's teaching, right? The truth of the teaching of Jesus, the truth of the Word of God. Truth has a source. The narrow path has a beginning. The one true biblical line was drawn by someone. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus, So abide in the teachings of Christ. Abide, stay, remain there. 
Don't go ahead into some other thing. Don't stumble ahead considering each new path as they multiply an infinite number. Don't do it. Turn around. Look at the old truth. Look at the original truth. Abide in that truth. Stay there. Go back to the old teaching. Be so consumed with and caught up in the old truth that the new truth doesn't even catch your eye. Be so consumed. Be so consumed with and caught up in the old truth of Jesus Christ that all this new truth doesn't even catch your eye. That's the key, isn't it? Not to try to figure out the nuances of all these different things, but instead to study the old truth, study the truth of Scripture. Because the lies look so good, a lot of times they're easier. They cost a lot less than truth right now. And the crowd is moving that way from this perspective, from this life filled with sin and confusion. The truth seems unappealing and bland. The path to God looks dull. The gate is not flashy, right? This path takes self-denial, not self-importance or self-preservation. It's not smooth or easy. It's filled with hills and valleys and steep climbs that most will not try to accomplish. Most will avoid. It's about sacrifice, not satisfaction. Giving instead of getting. Trials, not trinkets. Revolution, not retirement. Lies, lies are everywhere. Out there and in the church, though there are those in the church world teaching lies, the Apostle John would call them antichrists. Listen, just because someone has a program, a pulpit, or a publisher does not mean they're espousing truth, Right? It doesn't mean that they are teaching biblical truth. I know that is crazy to some of you. I know that that doesn't make any sense to some of you, but it's true. You have to weigh everything you hear against Scripture and ask yourself this question. Is what I'm hearing lining up with the biblical standard? Is what I'm hearing lining up with biblical truth? That's the only question. Not does it sound good, not do I like it, not is it easier not does, does it line up with my experience, not does it make me feel good, or does it feel right. These are not the questions. The question is, does it line up with truth, with absolute truth, with biblical truth? And then if it doesn't, no matter how good it looks, no matter how good it makes you feel or doesn't, run from it, leave it, don't listen to it anymore. Get it out of your life because the Apostle John says this next in verse 10. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Don't receive him. Don't greet him. Don't entertain this antichrist. Don't do it. Because this isn't just about you. 
If I start to entertain this liar and he comes in and teaches me, tries to teach me this lie and, and I don't accept it, but I let him into my house and then he leaves my house and he goes to my neighbor's house and he goes, hey, I was just hanging out with Pastor Jake for the last hour. How's it going? Now my neighbor doesn't know that I didn't accept his truth, so they let him in, right? This isn't just about you. This is about others. Your momentary or my momentary disobedience could lead to someone else's eternal destruction. Don't even entertain them. Abide in the truth of Christ's teachings only. It's not if it feels good or not. It's, it's does it line up with biblical truth. Truth has a source. The path has a beginning. The line was drawn by someone. Go back there. Go back there. Don't go on ahead. Don't believe someone who says they've got some new truth because false teachers always think of themselves as progressives, don't they? They always think of themselves as just a little bit more mature than everyone else. I just figured out this new thing. It's no big deal. I'm just a little ahead of where you're at. Let me teach you what I found. Right? False teachers think of themselves as progressives, as more mature than the, than the old guard who's backwards and intolerant. Don't go ahead because you like the way it makes you feel. Ask the question, does this line up with biblical truth? Watch out, the Apostle John says, for these false teachers. And the Apostle John ends his short letter this way, in 2 John. Verse 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. The elect sister there is just another church. So the church that the Apostle John is at, he says, the, the children in that church, the followers of God in that church also greet you. So listen, when it comes to truth and lies, heaven and hell, the narrow path that leads to life and the wide one that leads to destruction, uh, Facebook, email, text messages, that's not going to work, right? Paper and ink, it's, it's not going to work. No amount of emojis is going to equal a real face-to-face -face conversation. I know that was mind-blowing to some of you. <laughs> I thought emojis were equal. Maybe not. Maybe not. If you want to stay on the path that leads to life, if you want to guard the truth from all the lies, the best thing you can do is get around other believers who are committed to that truth and study it together, face to face. That's the best thing you can do. If you want to stay in the truth, if you want to abide in the truth, if you want to guard the truth from all the lies that are out there, the best thing you can do is get together with other people who also want to do the same thing and talk about it, study it, ask each, other's, each other questions, admit when you're wavering, put your phone down, close Facebook, be fully present with those who are holding to the truth of God's word and strengthen one another's grip on biblical truth. When one of you is weak, the others will be strong. When you start to get confused, the others will bring clarity. 
at Great Oaks, that happens at life groups. So in just three or four weeks, we're going to launch a new life group semester with 40 groups. So don't let the ages of your kids or the busyness of your life or any other excuse get in the way. Get plugged into a group so that you can study biblical truth. Let me end this way, though, today. And that's just something we say. We learned that in seminary. Let me end this way. It doesn't mean we're ending. Okay. Um, it's just a trick. As we close, we're not closing. Okay. Um, but I heard a guy uh, preach on the narrow door one day, and he, he said something like this. Imagine uh, that a story has been told to you, a story that has been passed down in your family from one generation to the next for so many years that no one's exactly certain how old this story is, but it concerns a distant grandfather of yours. And, and the story is told that your grandfather lived in the very presence of God and that your grandfather experienced the grace, goodness, and generosity of God and the glorious kingdom of God. And he lived in the truth of God. But your grandfather, your distant grandfather, was exceedingly foolish. And rather than remaining humble, he became proud. And rather than obedience, he chose a tragic path of disobedience. And rather than life, he chose death. And rather than honoring God, he chose to himself be honored as a God. Rather than abiding in truth, he ran after the lie. And so your distant grandfather declared war on God, led an insurrection against God, disregarded, disowned, disobeyed God, and he fled from the very presence of God. And he ultimately came to the edge of God's kingdom, and there he found a small, narrow door. And he passed through that door, and the door slammed behind him, and he went from a world of light to a world of darkness, from a world of life to a world of death, and that every generation of your family has been born on that side of that door, outside of that glorious kingdom that your grandfather lived in at first, surrounded by lies. And that this story has been passed on to you that somewhere there's a long, dark tunnel that leads to a narrow door that's cracked open just enough to see a little bit of light coming into the darkness. And that that door is the entry point back into the kingdom and the king and the truth. Imagine that no one is certain where it is until one day, uh, maybe a day of providence, you are taking a hike and you see a cave and you see a tunnel. And when you see that, you think you, your heart kind of leaps a little bit and you think maybe it's true. Maybe this, this story that's been passed down is true. Maybe there really is a dark tunnel that leads to a narrow door. Maybe it's true and with a bit of hope you enter into that tunnel and in fact you find a small narrow door that's cracked open with light peering from it into the dark cave, into the long tunnel. But imagine that in addition there are thousands of other doors. Each one representing another religion, philosophy, ideology, each guaranteeing some great gift of eternal life on the other side, each inviting you to put your hand on the knob, open the door, and enter by faith into whatever world is to be had on the other side of that threshold. And you have a decision to make. 
Which door will you choose? Which fate will you endure? Which world will you enter into? One time Jesus was asked if those who will be saved in the end will be many or few. That was the question. Is there going to be a lot of people in the kingdom or just a little bit? And Jesus said this, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive to enter through the narrow door. So there is, in fact, a door to divide, separate, categorize those who are in and those who are out. There is a door that tells us those who are in the family of truth and those who are not welcome and unwelcome. God is on one side and we start out on the other side, right? God is on one side and we start out on the other side. Holiness on one side, unholiness on the other. Life on one side, death on the other. Truth on one side, lies on the other. There's this door of division, separation between us and God, and it's a narrow door, a small door. Jesus says it's a door that few will find and even fewer will will enter by faith. And so the question asked of Jesus is, how many? Will it be a lot or will it be a little that are in the kingdom of God? How many will make it into the kingdom? And Jesus doesn't answer that directly. He doesn't say it's going to be a lot or or whatever. He he, He just goes, what about you though? How many are going to enter Jesus? How many will be in the kingdom? And Jesus goes, what about you? That's a great question, but what about you? Have you thought about you? That's a big, lofty, interesting question, but here's a better one. What about you? You should strive to enter the narrow door. Don't worry about all that. Just strive to enter the narrow door. Some of you spend too much time thinking about all the different religions and theologies and ideologies out there. How many will make it? And what about the guy in the African bush who never hears the gospel? What about him? Is he going to heaven or hell? What about this person over here? They're a really good person. They don't believe in Jesus, but they're a really, really good person. What about them? They're sincere. Well, what about the Buddhist who lives a way better life than most Christians and is sincere about that faith? They have faith. What about them? And some of those are good to ask, but not if you skip over the most important question. What about you? Will you be saved? Will you spend eternity in heaven or hell, life or death, blessing or judgment? Jesus says it's all about which side of the narrow door you end up on. Listen, the atheists are wrong. It's a lie. There is life after this one. It's not all physical. It's not all evolution. Death is not the end. There is more. The atheists are wrong. It's a lie. The pluralists are lying. There aren't a lot of doors that lead to the same place. And it's like, oh, it's okay. Just choose one of the doors and this higher power will let you in to heaven. Just choose one of them. The pluralists are lying. All but one door lead to hell. Jesus said very clearly in John 14, 6, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways, I am the way. Nobody, he, just in case you didn't get it, he says again this way, nobody will enter, will, will get to God, will get to my Father, except through me. There is one way the pluralists are lying. The universalists 
are teaching false doctrine. It's a lie. Not everyone who dies goes to this better place. And that's what we say at funerals, right? They're in a better place. We say foolish things at funerals. And we need to be careful. Because if we were to believe what we say at funerals, everybody who dies is in this better place. But if we're to believe the truth of Scripture, the truth is most have not, will not, go to a better place. There is, in fact, a door. And it's a narrow door. A lot of people don't want to talk about this narrow door, this narrow path, this one way, this one truth, this idea that there are real eternal consequences to your decision when it comes to who Jesus is. Preachers shy away from it, but this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the Apostle John is saying. Not me. So the question is, who will you trust? Do you you have a preacher, a friend, a mentor that you trust a lot, that you really believe in, that you really think knows what they're talking about? Do you have a podcast that you love to listen to and you really think that guy knows a lot? Do you have a TV show that you watch that you feel like is is espousing truth? Do Do you have someone in your life that is this teacher of lofty things that you really follow, that you really believe in? Maybe it's a a parent or a grandparent that you go, no, I I believe in what they say. Do they disagree with what I'm saying about truth and this narrow door and your eternal destination? Because it's not me saying it. It's Jesus. So the real question becomes, do you have someone that you trust more than Jesus? Jesus? Someone more humble. Someone more powerful. Someone more trustworthy. Someone smarter, wiser, holier than Jesus? Because if you don't buy into this whole thing, then that's what you're saying. You trust someone, a teacher, a friend, a group of people, maybe yourself, more than Jesus over God's word. So many doors. So many lies. So many paths. So many lines that are drawn. Watch yourself. Guard the truth. Study it. Love it. Live it. Go back there. Abide in the teachings of Christ. Many of you have gotten off track. Some of you have never been on the right path. Listen, beloved, the narrow door is open. But the decision is yours. The decision is yours. Let's pray. And here's my prayer for you today. May you not only love the truth, but guard it also. May you abide in the teachings of Christ. And may you be so enamored by the truth of the gospel that the thousands of lies in the world don't even catch your eye. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Don't miss next week as we get into third.